Hey, this is Monty Nero, and you're listening to The Night Nerd. Welcome to The Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and this is our 1,000th show. Thank you all so much. Uh, I mentioned it on the live show, but I wouldn't be here without you all. It's been an awesome ride. Uh, most people say, oh, ups and downs and blah, blah, blah. No, it's been nothing but ups. You know, just when I think things can't get any better, they do. And it's been amazing. And I, I just, I'm almost speechless. Thank you all. Thank you so much. And let's celebrate. I want to do something special. I want to do something for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm selfish. And I wanted to have a comic creator on the show. You know, I always love having them on the show because as somebody who's creating comics, I always like to see what other people do, their strategies, uh, their process and everything. And one of my favorite writers out there is Monty Nero. He's worked for Marvel, done some work on Hulk, X-Men. Um, he has a series called Death Sentence that's amazing. A new series coming out called Frenemies. All sorts of great stuff. You should definitely check him out but he was nice enough to skype with me from the other side of the pond he lives over in the uk and uh, over in scotland super nice guy super super talented guy and i'm so glad he came on the show i can't think of a better way to spend my 1000th show than talking to him and learning so much and seeing how he creates these amazing timeless characters that just jump off the page and straight into your heart and linger there and linger in your brain. They're so awesome. So here's Monty Nero. All right. We are here with Monty Nero, acclaimed comic writer who's written some of your favorite characters and has a amazing catalog of independent created books. Uh, Monty, how are you doing today, sir? Very well. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, the good old things. I was trying to plan recordings and everything, and I sometimes forget that not everybody around the world celebrates Thanksgiving. No, it's a mysterious uh, festival to us here in Scotland, and uh, I've always wanted to be invited to a Thanksgiving, but it's never happened yet. I, really, all we use it for here in America anymore is that way you know when to put up your Christmas lights. Ah, yeah. And also, isn't there some sporting action and uh, a big shopping festival? Yes, we have uh, American football uh, going on, and then yeah, to, Black Friday is the day that everybody goes out and fights and death matches for the newest Pokemon cards or whatever tickle yeah. me Elmos, whatever's hot this year. Yeah, we have Black Friday here now, and that makes no sense at all because obviously we don't have the Thursday Thanksgiving or any kind of holiday around this time. So it's just this weird sale that started happening in shops around this time great because you get cheap stuff for christmas but um yeah a little bit mystifying when it first started uh, occurring just anything that they can do to get that extra dollar from you i guess yeah but it's also cheap though i don't understand it's like it's like it's like uh i would have bought these clothes anyway but i'm just gonna buy them 20 percent cheaper now thanks <laughs> it worked yeah do y'all also have, like we also have a uh, small business saturday where like mom and pop shops do things, and then we do the Cyber Monday the next Monday. Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen Cyber Monday, 
I've not seen the small business Saturday, but that sounds like a very good idea. I mean, you need more of that in the world. Yeah, our our local comic shop does a lot of really cool stuff with it, so it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but speaking yeah. of comics, you you're a comic writer. You're one of my favorite comic book writers. Uh, I've well, been you. a fan for a long time, and you've got to play in some pretty big sandboxes, uh, in as far as like the Marvel universe is concerned. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, quite a surprise. Uh, it wasn't my aim, and I guess it happened very quickly. I mean, I put out basically one issue of one, my first comic, and then um, Marvel were ringing me up. So, yeah, that was pretty crazy, great, crazy time. You got to work on uh, The Hulk. Um, recently you did an X-Men short and things like that. Is there, is there a difference there as far as you know, the individualness of the Hulk versus that team dynamic. Uh, you know, you have all the X-Men characters to play with. Was yeah, it... there's, a, there's a massive difference. It's a good good question. Um, there's a huge difference. Um, uh, the Hulk's quite a challenging character because obviously the key thing that's exciting about him is his rage and he, everyone wants to see him smash stuff. Um, and the key is with all these things is to how to make it uh, original and how to do something that no one's done before. So um, um, when you've got characters that have been around, you know, sort of like getting on 80 years, the the, the first ones, um, you know, coming up with a scenario or a story or a pitch where you're doing something that people haven't done before is, is quite tricky. So um, um, the actual process of uh you know articulating the hulk and making him a rounded character is is uh, an interesting challenge in itself at the time i wrote the hulk he was you know doc green so he was super intelligent and that was really interesting and it made it easier for me because it's it's obviously easier to do something fresh if you've got a super intelligent guy that's also smashing stuff because the way he can talk about it and these thought processes in the captions as he's doing stuff you know he can be a lot more expressive so um yeah, I really liked that story uh, because he used science to basically solve the problem. He smashed the fuck out of things as well, because, you know, you've got to have that. Um, I had some great Hulk smashing action, and he dropped a mountain on someone at one point. Um, and I basically just took the opportunity to trash Vancouver, where I used to live. I mean, I like Vancouver, but I just thought it would be fun to sort of, you know, do that. Um, whereas with the X-Men... Uh, the problem is very tricky from another respect in that you've got so many characters and they all need to have a voice and they all need to uh, do something, you know, um, within a story um, and um, just fitting that in to, in, you know, a single issue of a comic is um, is quite tricky without it coming across as glib or, um, you know, um, unsatisfactory in some way. So, uh, and getting all the dynamics and making, you know, every single one of those characters have an interesting, kind of have an interesting take on them all within a book um, is, is um, you know, it's a lot more work uh, just coming up with, you know, uh, thinking your way into the, the character and the way they speak and, and, you know, what they're doing and thinking and stuff. So, um, yeah, but I, I really like both characters. So they were both easy from the point of view that, you know, I've read the characters and I, I like the characters and um, it wasn't a, a tricky sort of headspace for me to get into. Cool. Uh, speaking of teams, a lot of your creator-owned stuff is ensemble cast. 
And yeah. I think that's really cool. I guess we'll just start at the, the beginning. I, I remember I used to work for a website called Almost Nerdy, and we got oh, yeah. a press junket for Death Sentence, number one. And it came with the, the doctor's note and everything, you know, the whole big production. And I remember thinking right then, like, okay, this is something cool. This is something uh, you went all out on that. And I thought and that's what hooked me. But when you're creating this new universe, you know, did you go through from the inception point? Did you say, okay, it's going to be a story about Liberty and Weasel and all these different characters? Or did it just kind of, I guess, evolve, you know, kind of what was that process as far as that world creation? You mean on the original book or on the, the new series of Death Sentence? On the original, original one. Oh, okay. Um, I'm very much character-based, so um, it all started with designing the characters. I had the idea, which is a sexually transmitted virus that would kill you but um, give you superpowers. Um, and I wanted to take that in a, a, a more interesting direction direction than just you know having people sort of fight and beat each other up um sort of like so it kind of like whatever you're best at whatever you really want to do i get a sense in life that everyone has a yearning to do something or to fulfill themselves in some way um and they're frustrated that they can't do it so whatever that thing is you get you get really really good at it and you you get to do it a sort of an exponentially powerful way so part of your superpowers are you become incredibly creative, or you become a brilliant songwriter, or whatever it might be, as well as having all the the other kind of cool, kind of um, traditional sort of powers that um, super characters tend to have. So um, it was all very much based on the characters. Once I got the idea, I was just like, okay, so what would be interesting as a sort of character journey for these uh, these people? And then uh, with that series, I also I really I was satirizing basically the world as I saw it uh, which I guess looking back was really sort of things that had gone on over the previous sort of decade um, and uh, I was just ripping the piss really in a lot of it and obviously um, it was done in a very sort of subtle and well sometimes it's subtle sometimes it's not um, it's uh, it was just very sort of fulfilling to sort of um, have these characters it's kind of like one of those worlds where it's kind of like just our world kind of shifted sort of like you know 15 degrees so from that point of view the actual world itself wasn't complicated at all it was more just uh, it took ages to sort of come up um with the characters the look of the characters because i designed the characters as well i sort of paint the covers and i design the characters and as I'm designing the characters and getting their look right, I'm thinking about, you know, the sort of things they'd say and I can start jotting those down. And obviously they tend to be quite funny, you know, quite entertaining sort of things that they'd say, you know, what would Verity say to a boss? What would Weasel say in an interview? Um, all that kind of stuff. And um, the world sort of, the story sort of grows out of that. It's all stories basically are about character. They're all about the character or revealing something about the character. Um, Thing happening in terms of action as well that resolves itself neatly by the end. But if that, if if that's all that happens, you don't really have a satisfying story. You just have you know some some uh, some action. So in order for people to feel connected or moved by a story, there has to be this kind of sense that you've kind of unearthed something about the character in the process. And that's always where I start when I'm doing a story. Nice. Um, with that kind of, um, I work all that out quite precisely. 
And, I mean, it definitely comes across on the page, all the, the time and effort and thought that you put into everything because instantly a lot of your characters are relatable. You know, like you said, it, it kind of takes place in our world, but not quite. And a lot of your characters, it's it's somebody you know, but not quite. You know, it's like, oh, that's like my friend this. They talk like that. They act like that. There's a sense of realism to it, which... I think it's lost in a lot of comic books. You know, they try to make them too sci-fi fantasy, super heroic. When yeah, the way the way people pontificate and stuff. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. That's definitely something um, I wanted to do consciously. Was uh, you know, I read the same comic books you do, and I, I get frustrated at a lot a lot of them. And um, I just wanted to have characters that spoke like you know people I know <laughs> and had the same kind of problems. It doesn't matter whether you're super powered or not. Um, you know, if if uh, you can still, you still got the same sort of problems that uh, you or I would have. And then it's like, well, how does this new scenario of your new uh, super abilities? How does that actually change it in a in a really sort of tangible and meaningful way, um, rather than the sort of traditional traditional way, which is quite sort of um, quite glib. You know, the, so you look at the first sort of fifty years of superhero comics are basically just people just fighting and pontificating and all their problems are very sort of melodramatic and not really even the way they speak to each other it's just it's not really something that you can relate to on a human day-to-day level so um there's always exceptions to that but but um as a rule i always found that with comics and i just wanted to write something that was more yeah more relatable to my own life i guess um so it's great that you know you're in texas i've never been to texas but the fact that you know that kind of feeling transmits all the way around the world you know uh, is always a constant source of amazement and delight to me so thank you very much for for raising that point oh thank you for the great material and that that world you know you've gone back to it Uh, is that something after the initial series did you have more thoughts or did you see hey everybody loves this world i love this world let's keep telling stories in it i mean was that part of the original plan? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, the sort of arc of uh, Verity's life, who's the main character in Death Sentence, um, that's always been sort of planned out right from the beginning. So I knew it would be several books and, you know, it would take several years to get through it all. Even though they've only got six months to live, you know, the amount of story time that can fill, you know, a book, if, if uh, you know, you're doing it right, and um, is... Um, it, it takes a lot longer to create that stuff than the actual, you know, passage of, of real time. So, um, yeah, it was always something I wanted to continue with. And, you know, there'll be more books with Verity in um, that will sort of see her all the way to the conclusion. The thing about Death Sentence is it's absolutely vital that the characters do die after six months. You know, within their own world, within the comic, after six months, they, they do die. So that's never going to change. It's not suddenly going to be some some sort of like uh, trick where I can, you know, keep these characters alive. Because um, otherwise, the whole thing just kind of has no weight. It has no meaning. And the point is that if you're investigating how characters are, reaction, are reacting to dying within six months and all the sort of life they want to live in the time that they've got left and their ability to do things, all the things they, they might have dreamed of doing, um, it kind of really just throws into relief the, the, you know, situation we're all in. You know, it just it takes a lot longer for the rest of us. You know, it plays out hopefully if we're lucky over sort of 80, 90 years. Um, 
whereas for them it's six months. So it sort of magnifies the sort of human condition and uh, dramatizes things that hopefully we can all relate to and feel on a very sort of personal level. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the beauties of the medium is, you know, a comic can take place over 10 minutes or 10 years or however you want it. And that. Yeah, you can go from like, you know, uh, 50 million years from panel to panel, or you can go from like, you know, sort of um, five microseconds. It's, um, it's an incredibly versatile medium. And that boldness of knowing you're going to kill a character that does that ever kind of weigh on you you know you, you create these characters and i'm sure you fall in love with them and knowing uh, i'm going to have to kill them off eventually like they're not going to be around forever yeah i think that's um it does weigh very heavily heavily in the sense that i take it very seriously so i want to do justice to the characters and i want to do justice to the situation and i want to get you know everything that that character can be i want to get it across you know, in the six months that they they, they have. Um, and also the predicament they're in, even though the tone of Death Sentence was the really hard thing to get because they are dying, but as you know, it's a very entertaining and funny book. And um, it's um, it's kind of got this tone that's very hard to sort of uh, initially for me to come up with, but also quite unique, I think, in that um, it doesn't kind of skip over the fact that these people are going to die. But at the same time, it's not a somber book in any way. It's almost like a celebration of their life and all the things they can do and be in the sort of frenetic sort of months they're alive and all the, you know, all the funniness. I think uh, certainly people I know that I've admired, you know, almost like when they're in a sort of situation, they're facing cancer or something, it kind of almost brings out the best of them. Kind of brings out, you know, they're more, they kind of think about what's important. Um, you know, they can be very funny about it. You know, they can crack jokes about it. And they can uh, become almost like a more heroic version of themselves because they're facing up to this thing. Um, so I take it very seriously from that point of view. And there's a few, there's quite a few death sentence readers that have faced, you know, um, cancer and so forth or, or similar illnesses and diseases and um it's always nice when they get in touch and say that it really resonated with them because um, even though I'm, it's an entertaining book, um, I don't want to ever sort of skip over that part of it. You know, it's essential to the whole thing. Well, and I think that goes back to that humanizing of it. You know, the relatability is this: these characters, yeah, I may not can personally relate to having super strength or speed or creation powers, anything like that, but it's almost as that, like you said, that's just a second nature to them that at the base that they are still human. They still have these problems. They're dealing with things. And then it's like, oh, yeah. And they have this also. Uh, and I can totally see why that plays on a lot of people, like when they can relate to it, because it's it's there. It's not these these gods that are Superman, Batman, even the Hulk, you know, as, as flawed as the Hulk is, he's still the Hulk. And so seeing yeah. these these characters who it's like, okay, that's that's not as big as the premise is. It's not too big that it's unrelatable. And that's, yeah. I think, a yeah. big appeal of the book. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole super character as God thing, it's been sort of written to death. You know, I've seen so many books 
with that as the central theme. There's some out at the moment, you know. Um, uh, there's, that's always going to be an aspect of certain characters, but, you know, I think one of the best Superman books was, um, you know, when he, when he was dying, when Grant Morrison had him fly into the sun and he was dying, um, which um, didn't influence me. I mean, I read that, like, you know, years after I'd been doing Death Sentence, but I think it was no coincidence that that was one of the more moving and human kind of Superman stories. Well, series of stories, you know, um, great art from Frank Quietly as well, um, and um, yeah, I think um, like I say, it comes back to that thing I said earlier, where you're always trying to find a new take on how to do these characters, uh, or, or how to do something like superpowers. So I think anyone that read Descent would agree that it's it's a very fresh take on sort of superpowers. And it's quite, I guess it's quite a British take as well. It's quite the sort of more British tradition of, uh, in Britain, we don't really, anyone that kind of like is posturing and kind of dressed up in a sort of fancy way will pretty soon get the rip, get the piss ripped out of them and sort of like uh, be cut down to size. And that's like a good thing and a bad thing in many ways. Um, but it's definitely a sort of national characteristic. So I think... Um, even though I didn't really realise it at the time, I guess the whole approach I've had to superpowered characters is uh, is very much in that sort of tradition of my sort of upbringing and so forth. Well, speaking of uh, superpowered characters and new powers and things, you have a new series, the the Frenemies series that's on Kickstarter. That one, yeah. uh, it's it's done, it's going to print and everything. What can you tell us about about that book? Yeah, I'm just shipping out copies of it right now all around the world. Um, that is a sci-fi series about seven rivals who are sort of hunting for a mysterious planet that's disappeared. Um, and, and in doing so, they'll they'll discover sort of alien technology that might might save the world, or it might doom the world. So um, they're basically uh, competing and helping each other. Uh, again, it's kind of you know, a team book. There's seven of them. Uh, I really wanted to 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 set myself the challenge of writing sort of seven original, distinct kind of um, uh, characters that sort of felt fresh and have the sort of um, story told from their perspective. There's a lot of um, LGBTQ characters. Um, it's kind of like got a fresh perspective on. Um, the sort, what could otherwise be, you know, quite a traditional kind of science fiction story or a space opera. So I think that's always the key with me, as I'm always think through the characters, through the design of the characters, you can really sort of um, bring the story to life with fresh energy and a fresh perspective. And the sort of direction the the story will go in is kind of like always, you know, directed by who the characters are and their interactions and so forth. Um, a lot of them don't get on, they're very disparate, so there's a lot of uh, conflict, which is always good in a story. Um, and then uh, that enables me to then sort of go into areas that, you know, all of us have always enjoyed, which is, you know, the sort of sort of Star Wars and the Indiana Jones type stuff, um, which everyone loves, but it's just, it's impossible to do that stuff without it seeming like some terrible rip-off of, you know, Indiana Jones movies or whatever. So... Um, by setting it in space and having this kind of interesting quest and character dynamic, um, it got totally fresh sort of takes on that kind of like energy. I'm just writing a scene at the moment where they're all kind of like 
exploring and solving puzzles through this sort of space tomb on an, uh, an alien planet, trying to solve, um, uh, get one of the puzzle pieces that they need to get back um, to Earth to continue their work. So um, it just brings a whole kind of fresh energy to the thing. And um, seems to be, uh, we've only done one issue of that so far. The next, the second issue will be going to Kickstarter in March. Um, so um, uh, it seems to have gone down, you know, very well so far. Certainly a lot of fun for me to write. Yeah, in the characters, what I I think is neat about them, I mean, just going off of what we've seen so far is you have a good mixture of, like, there's a, a language expert, there's a math professor, but then there's, like you said, like an explorer and a prodigy, you know, they're just all sorts of different people, whereas in those, like Indiana Jones, you know, everybody's kind of cool and suave and... The, yeah. They're all that, and then in Star Wars, you know, they're all the heroes, and they're not super flawed. And I think that's what is going to be interesting and appealing about this project is, again, these are characters that it's like, okay, I I kind of know somebody like that. Yeah, they may not be an angel or a wizard, but they yeah. they have this quality and that quality. And again, I I've said it. A dozen times, but your ability to humanize all of this is, I, I think, what makes all of your your work interesting and wonderful. And I think that's what's going to help this. You know, like you said, it's not Star Wars. It's not Indiana Jones. It's so much more while being so much more grounded, even though it is in space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love all. Uh, I love writing sort of the action scenes, and there's some great action in it that. Um, sort of ticks all my Star Wars boxes and so forth, but all the time, like I say, if a story's not revealing character and um, taking you on a journey with the characters where they sort of discover interesting things about themselves and through that the world, then it's never going to be a meaningful or a, mem- a memorable story. So that's always the first thing that I come up with. That was like, that was what I came up with with this story. I had the characters and I had the arc of the characters. And then it was like, well, what scenario should I put them in? And it was took me a while before I decided to put them into space because um, there's a lot of different scenarios you could put these characters into. Um, uh, so that it's not, it's, it's a lot simpler, you know, to do that kind of thing, to sort of say, okay, we'll have it in space and we'll have all these kind of space battles. And, I mean, that's A, a lot of fun, but B, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So the hard bit is always like coming up with original characters and then having interesting journeys for them to go on that don't feel kind of labored or forced or in any way preachy, uh, just kind of like natural and kind of illuminating and fresh and uh, dramatic, uh, surprising, all that kind of stuff. So if you've got a great luxury of coming up with a new series, you can just design all that in from the start. You can just design in from the fact this is going to feel original and fresh because these characters are original and fresh. And then... um, it's always a, uh, there's a point when you write a story where they you stop writing them and they start telling you what they're going to say and they start arguing with each other quite naturally and all you have to do is kind of write it down, uh, which is always a, a fun part of the process to get to. Um, and dialogue's really important because, like I say, you're trying to bring the characters to life and that's primarily, primarily through how they speak to each other and how they react to things. And like as you've highlighted, I try and do that in quite a, a realistic and, na- and naturalistic way. And um, so you can just hear them all in your voice, all their distinct voices, and, the, and what they're saying, and what they're thinking, and what they're doing. 
it's uh, it's really fun when it gets to that point. It's really really fun. So yeah, I love frenemies. I love writing frenemies. I love um, working with Yishan. He's a very talented um, artist who's brought the whole thing to life. And um, again, I mainly wanted to work with her because of her character work because she's just great with characters. She's great at designing characters and she's great at sort of making them act and stuff. So that helps to again sort of make it all hit hit home. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you talked about the character and process and things. You, you've mentioned, you know, you start with your character, whether it be the design or the attitude mentality, but what is your process? You know, do you pour yourself a, a beer and put on some music and sit down and start writing? I mean, kind of what mindset do you get into and what is a, a typical, I guess, a typical day in the life look like? Okay. Um, when I'm, Designing characters, uh, initially it's kind of written. It's just like a few notes in a book uh, about... Um, usually see them immediately in some kind of situation where they're arguing with somebody or they're trying to do something and you're just hearing their voice and what they'd say and you think like, okay, it's like a snatch of dialogue or something and you think like, okay, well, what sort of character would be saying this kind of thing? What would their problems be? You know, uh, all that kind of stuff. So then you get a sort of picture of a sort of type of person and then um, I'm an artist as well as a writer so then I just start drawing the character and then through drawing the character the way I've designed characters I've always uh, used their personality as like the the primary kind of uh, driver for what they're going to look like you know what sort of tattoos they have what kind of little items they carry about with them what clothing they've chosen to wear you know what their facial expression is like what kind of scars or piercings or whatever they might have they've all got a story they all come from something some decision some part in their life you know where they were in conflict with their family or they were sort of you know in an unusual situation abroad or something that resulted in them getting a particular tattoo or a particular piercing or a particular item of clothing so so um hopefully when you look at the characters they they have a lot of personality and they also feel like rounded people um, it takes me quite a while to design the characters because, you know, like I say, it's quite a thoughtful process. Um, and then once that's done, once I'm happy with the visuals, then again, while I'm, one of the great things about drawing and painting is it's it's sort of you can be 100% occupied in what you're doing, but there's a whole other space in your brain where you can also be thinking about other things. So um, some people like watch, you know, movies while they're drawing and painting. I kind of think about stories and I write down stories and, and I write down usually by the time I finish drawing designing the character um, I've got like a whole almost like a whole comics worth of scenes kind of like jotted down you know I've, I've uh, all the dialogue's been running through my head and I've just been like noting down the good bits well actually no I note it down all I note, I note, I note down all of it but then I, I just go out and cross out all the crappy bits <laughs> which is usually about 80% of it so then you're left with you know, really, you know, sparkling dialogue. And then at that point, the comic kind of like is almost written itself. You've sort of like, you've got the great scenes and now you just need to structure it into a, a good story. I suppose I take, like I said, that is the easier part of it. But I guess on the other flip side, it did take me a long time to, to master doing that because it takes a lot of study, basically. You have to sort of study, you know, how stories work and, you know, how films work and how characters work and, why some are good and why some don't work at all, you know, films or characters. Um, and this is all, I mean, there's a whole 
industry around that whole it's quite that that kind of thing is like a craft you know how to craft a satisfying story that ends on a good note you know with the action that's all kind of tied up that's really a craft you can learn that you can learn that like you can learn to make a cabinet so what you can't teach anyone is how to bring freshness and originality and you know original thoughts and ideas and themes and characters to it that's more comes from your soul from your, your own personal experience but as far as then fitting that into a sort of um you know story shaped kind of box or a, a comic length story that's that's definitely a craft that anyone can learn that's that's heavy words uh, motivational words though that's that's really inspiring that you know like you said you can if you have that fire that drive that passion which obviously you do and it comes across so well in your work but it's something that you know can be crafted. You know what works and what doesn't, and that's just really neat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took a long, took a long time for me. I suppose I started trying to write stories when I was sort of um, you know twenty years ago, and I guess for a long time, you know, sort of five, six, seven years, the stories were in that they were good, but they weren't great. And then it, it took me a while just to figure out, you know, the actual craft of it. Um, and um, a lot of reading, a lot of studying. There's, there's some great books out there. Um, On Writing by Stephen King is a really, really good one. You know, the Robert McKee stuff. I mean, really, with all that stuff, you have to sort of read it, understand it, learn it backwards and forwards, and then you need to forget about it. So uh, when I was writing the OK stories, I was still very much kind of like um, mechanically kind of like thinking through all that stuff and I think the stories often felt a bit clunky as a result by the time I got to do Death Sentence I'd sort of like, you know, it'd been five years since I'd last read any of those sort of books or sort of actively kind of like followed any of those kind of like um, strategies that they employ, it's more just like you know, you understand it so deeply at that point, uh, you know, what, what a story is and how to make a story work um, that you, you kind of like, you're almost doing it subconsciously and you're not consciously thinking about it and also you're subverting you understand it so then you can subvert it and you can do more interesting things um uh if you just follow you uh, a story isn't a formula if it's a formula it just feels very predictable you know um and especially these days storytelling is so the, the variety of stories that people will kind of um, accept and enjoy is is so varied um and so much more disparate than than when a lot of these kind of like you know, storytelling craft books were written. Um, yeah, you really just need to sort of absorb that information so deeply that you can then just sort of like, you know, be Jimi Hendrix. You know, you've learned to play, you've learned, you've learned, you know, how to play the guitar. And now you need to sort of really sort of rock out. So that's when I started writing really good stuff, and that's why I think Death Sentence took off. Well, uh, thank you so much for for all of that. Uh, where can our listeners find you? out there to, to see all these projects and see all the amazing stuff you have coming up? Well, um, at the moment, I'm very much focused on getting like new kind of comics of my own out there. And um, one of the great privileges of uh, making comics in the modern age is, you know, unlike, you know, geniuses of the past, you know, we can actually create our own stuff and, and put it up on Kickstarter. And if people like it, they buy it and then there's you know we can make more so i'm trying to get a sort of um raft of um titles 
um, I'm going to do basically Death Sentence and Frenemies throughout um, 2020 and I'll be um, putting those initially up on Kickstarter um, with um, Martin Simmons and um, Mike Dowling who is my co-creator with um, Death Sentence and with Yishan Lee who's my co-creator on, on Frenemies um, I want to get all those kind of like concluded with the next books and then uh, at the end of 2020 I'll be doing a new a new series which I'm very 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 excited about um, but um, I want to I want to basically get Frenemies and uh, the next Death Sentence book away first um, then I'll be doing a, a, another book uh, and then there will be more there will be, there'll be more Frenemies and, and Death Sentence after that so um, yeah that's basically my plan um, and yeah you can follow all that action um, through Kickstarter or through my sort of social media feeds which are all Montenero uh, M-O-N-T-Y-N-E-R-O um, if you have a look you know, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever you'll find uh, find me there um, talking about comics in general storytelling you know writing art um, I'll probably do um, I've, I've been doing covers for comics for quite a while um, so I've got quite a collection of sort of comics of, of um, artwork that I've done paintings and such so I'm probably going to do um, an art book as well um, I'll probably do that um, actually in December I'll probably do that um, at the end of this year um, I've been working on that for a while it's just a matter of like finding a handy juncture to sort of um, launch it so um, yeah if you're into artwork and character design I'll be sort of um, talking in that book a little bit about sort of you know my thought processes when I'm, when I'm doing that stuff nice that all sounds incredibly exciting I can't wait to see all of those come to life and see what the future holds uh, but Monty, thank you so very much for being on the show and joining us today. Thank you. It's been, been an honor. Thank you uh, for reading the stuff. Oh, it's it's been amazing. And like I said, I can't wait to see it. Make sure you go check out all of his stuff. Um, the A lot of your series, you can find them at your local comic shop, on Comixology, also some, some of the older stuff. So go check it out. It's worth your time. It's fresh takes amazing stories and yeah just go check it all out thank you again monty for that that was awesome um hopefully you out there listening learn some cool things if you haven't heard of monty you've been living under a rock but go to your lcs check out his stuff um go support his kickstarters follow him on twitter do all this stuff he is he's awesome he's great and it's it was so much fun talking to him and it's been so much fun uh, most people would probably take this time to say, Hey, we're going to take a break. You know, I've done a thousand shows and I'm going to take the rest of the year off, but not me, not here at the night nerd. We still have a lot of cool stuff coming at you. A lot of st- cool things in the pipeline that I'm excited about. I hope you're going to be excited about, uh, so just wait and stay tuned. One last time though, I did want to say thank you to all of our listeners, all my friends, all my family. Everybody out there that's gotten us to a thousand shows, uh, I couldn't have done it with without all of you. And if I was at the Oscars right now, the music would start playing. So I'm going to stop. That's it. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Together we made it. See, we did it, man.